resurrected king. When I was a kid, one of the songs that my church sang all the time was called Farther Along. And in my personal opinion, this is just me, if you, you can have, you're entitled to your opinion too, but in my opinion, this has got to be one of the most depressing church songs of all time. Some of the lyrics, you've probably never heard it before, um, some of the, the, the lyrics go like this, tempted and tried, we're oft made to wonder. Why it should be thus all the day long? Sometimes I wonder why I must suffer. Go in the rain, the cold, and the snow. When there are many living in comfort, giving no, no heed to all I can do. Faithful till death. This isn't just inspiring. Saith our loving master. Short is our time to labor and wait. Farther along we'll know more about it. Farther along we'll understand why. Cheer up, my brother. Live in the sunshine. We'll understand it all by and by. Now, if you just throw in some sad country music twang and a bottle of Jack Daniels, um, you're going to end up in a pretty bad spot pretty quick listening to that kind of stuff, okay? So don't do that. But it's like this whole idea that life is this one long struggle. It's this long battle. It's just this, it's full of temptation. It's full of suffering. It's just full of misery and defeat, questioning why in the world I even had to be born. And now, if that's your favorite song or you've got a soft place in your heart for that, that's totally cool. Someone's probably already said, I'm never coming back to this church ever again because I love that song. But there is struggle in life, to be sure. There is suffering. There is pain. There is temptation. We go through moments, sometimes days and months, where life is just, it's, it's a struggle. But with Jesus, even the pain and even the suffering gets just a little bit better because now, because of what we talked about last week, because of Easter, because of the resurrection, because Jesus is alive, we can go through pain, we can go through suffering with this thing we call hope. Everything changes because of the resurrection. Now, I don't think that most Christians would go around saying that their life is just one long, sad country song. However, I do believe that far too many Christians settle for a life that is less than the life that Jesus offers us. They settle thinking it's just their, their lot in life. Settle thinking that it's just, it's, it's about despair when life, the life that Jesus offers is a life of joy and gladness. They settle thinking that um, it's, it's just about defeat when, when what Jesus offers is victory. He's, he victoriously rose from the grave. And it can seem even at times like the church identifies more with death than it does with, with life. And last week, we celebrated the two single most important events in all of history. We celebrated how Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and then we celebrated how three days later, he uh, rose from the dead. Um, author John Eldridge, he makes the point that you got these two events, events but even um, when it comes to the symbol that Christians most identify with, we identify with a symbol of death rather than of life. If you look around the room this morning and see how many empty tombs you see, you're not going to see any, but you're going to see at least two crosses. Now, if we looked at jewelry, probably even more crosses. But I want to give you just, just a little history lesson this morning. Did you know that in the first 200 years of the church, there are no crosses on any of the Christian monuments that, there, that exist today from the first 200 years of the church? The cross didn't even really start becoming a part of um, Christian icon um, art 
and all that kind of stuff, icons, it didn't really even start to, to, to become known until the, thir- until the fourth century when the Roman emperor Constantine, he, des- he decided that he was going uh, to make Christianity the official religion of the state. And it wasn't until the fourth, fifth century that the cross started to become, eventually became the central symbol of the Christian faith. It wasn't until 600 AD that the Roman Catholic Church, they decided to bring uh, the crucifix up with Jesus on it. But it wasn't a, a part of the, the, the early church. As art historian Kenneth Clark sa- says and talks about, he says that um, the earliest Christian art was more concerned with miracles, healings, baptism, the ascension, and, and resurrection. You would see signs like the fish. You ever seen that, the, the fish symbol? Early church, they'd use the symbol of the good shepherd. They would use the dove. They would use these, these types of symbols. And I don't know why the cross became a central symbol when it did. You know, maybe it was the dark ages. Maybe it was because Constantine, he, he got that sign in the sky and saw, saw a cross. And I don't know what it was exactly that, that caused that to happen, but but maybe it's because it reflects this unbiblical idea that, that has crept into the church that says life is more about dying and more about despair than it is about joy in the resurrection life that Jesus calls us to. Maybe it's because in the process of, of elevating the importance of the cross and, and the life that it reflects, we've lowered the importance of the resurrection in the life that it reflects. Author John Eldridge says that most people assume that the cross is the total work of Christ. The two go hand in hand in our minds, Jesus Christ and the cross, the cross and Jesus Christ. The resurrection is impressive, but kind of an afterthought. It was needed, of course, to get him out of the grave, or the resurrection is important because it proves Jesus was the Son of God, but his death was the real work on our behalf. The resurrection is like an epilogue to the real story, the extra point after the touchdown. The medal ceremony after the Olympic event. It's like the resurrection is cool. We're glad he's alive, but the cross is what mattered the most. Now, don't get me wrong this morning, okay? I am not saying this morning that the cross is not important. I love the cross. I would not be here. You would not be here this morning if it wasn't for the cross and everything that the cross symbolizes. The cross represents the greatest demonstration of love that we will ever see in all of history. I'm deeply thankful for the cross. Jesus instructed us to never forget the cross. Jesus said, take up your cross daily, deny yourself. I mean, the cross is, is, is huge. It's so central um, in, in our, to our faith. But what I am saying this morning is this, that we need to stop understating the importance of the resurrection and what it means. And rather than holding the cross up here and the resurrection down here, we need to have them like this. They are both central focal points to our faith. They are both just as important as the other. The Bible says that when it it comes to the resurrection, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. It's interesting when you actually, when you read the book of Acts, which is the the biblical book that has the, the, tells the history of the, the early church when it first started out. It shows how the resurrection was just as prominent in their preaching as the cross. In Acts 4, we read that the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. 
Then later on in the same chapter, it says that with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 17, 18, it tells of how Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus, so he's preaching, he's preaching the cross. And then it says that he also, so he's preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. The resurrection in the book of Acts was just not, it wasn't just an Easter message. This was a central part of the life of the church. What they identified with was the, the life and resurrection of Jesus. They preached it all the time. And it's because they understood, and this is what I really want us to get today, they understood that Jesus not only died for us, he was also raised to life for us. He wasn't just raised to life so that he could get out of that grave. He was raised to life for us. He died for us. He was raised to life for us. His death on the cross impacts us, and his resurrection impacts us. Romans 6.4 says, it's a verse that we've just been going, oh, it's been central to this series. It says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that, so it doesn't just end with being baptized into death, there's a next, it says, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. That's the Bible. United with him in a resurrection like his. Life is not meant to be marked by loneliness or by doubt, by fear, by temptation, by struggle. It's not a life spent wishing that this miserable existence would just come to an end and we could go to our home glory up in the sky. That's not what it's about. That's what characterized our life before Jesus. Because of his resurrection, this new life is supposed to be different. But I think we've settled. And this morning, we're going we're gonna to look at what Scripture says this life looks like because of the resurrection of Christ. And we're going to hang out in a, a book called Colossians in the Bible. Um, if you want to follow along on the screen, you can do that. Or on your Bible app, that's cool too. But we're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 to 17. We're going to read a big chunk here this morning, and then we're going to dig through what it all means. Verse 1, since then, you have been raised with Christ. You've been raised with Christ. When you gave your life to Christ, your old life not only died and was buried with him, you are also raised with him, the Bible says. Since then, you have been raised with Christ Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on, minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger and rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken, your old, taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here, the, here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. 
Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if, you have any, if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. That's what we're doing right now on Sunday mornings, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You have been raised to life with Christ, and it changes everything. We're going to look at what it means. First of all, what it means is that because of the resurrection, I can set my heart and mind on him who is life-giving rather than on everything else that is life-taking. Life-taking probably isn't a word, I know, but it is now, okay? But the old life, the life before Jesus, it had us setting our minds and our hearts on all this other stuff that the, this, this scripture verse just talked about. We are chasing after the things of this world, hoping that the things of this world, the world's way of living would lead to life. We thought that if we, we'd find life in a successful career, we thought that we'd, we'd go chasing after money. We thought that we'd find life being in the right relationship, doing life our way. Or we thought if we just acted out on all of our desires or all of our lusts, we thought that if we did all that, that, that we would find life. But in the end, all that did was lead to more sexual immorality, more lust, more greed, more anger, more slander, more backbiting. All these robbed us of the very life, the joy and peace, the satisfaction that we thought they would bring. Some, realizing that the things of this world weren't working, all that stuff we just talked about, went to religion and thought, okay, that's not working, so if I just go to religion and if I just go chasing after that, if I, if I find some kind of religious system and start following all of its rules, then I'll find life. Then I'll discover this, this joy that I'm after. If, if I just, I mean, this was my, my journey, much of my, my life, going, I know there's a God out there somewhere, and so if, if I just obey all of his rules, cross all the T's, dot all the I's, then I'll find life. But pretty soon, you discover that religion, like Timothy Keller, author and pastor, says, religion, well, it doesn't lead to life. When you set your heart and your mind on religion, it usually ends in one of two places, either despair or pride. Pride because you're going, okay, I'm doing a great job of following all the, the rules here. I'm just, man, these guys over here just don't have their act together. You kind of start looking down your nose at everybody else who's not doing it as good as you. Pride. Or it leads to despair because you just, you're working so hard to do all these, these, these rules and to follow, follow the laws and just do everything. And it's just such a big pile of stuff that you just can't do. And you, you just get full of despair. I can't tell you how many people I know that have walked away from the faith because of despair. They go, okay, this Christian deal, this religion is just, there, there's just too many things. I can't do all these things because it's just, it's, I'm a complete failure and then they end up walking away. That's hardly life. But this is where the resurrection makes Christianity so good. What makes Christianity so different 
than every other religion on the planet. It's, it's not about following the rules. It's about following a living, resurrected person. It's about following Jesus who, who's alive. If he was still in the tomb, it wouldn't be about following a person, would it? If he was still in the tomb, it'd be about following the rules. But Jesus is alive, and because he's alive, we can set our hearts and we can set our minds on him. It makes Christianity different than every other religion. We follow our founder who's alive. They all follow the rules because their founder is dead. If you want to be a Buddhist, you have to find out the rules because Buddha, Buddha died. You, you can't follow a person. You've got to follow the rules. It's the same thing with, with Islam. Muhammad died. If you, you, you need to, he set up some rules and a structure and all that kind of stuff, but there's, there's the rules you've got to follow. It's the same thing if you want to be a Mormon. Joseph Smith died. He set up a religious structure, system, all that kind of stuff. You want to do that? You've got to find out what all the rules are. But Christianity is different in that our founder is alive. We're not following the rules. We are following a living person, the founder of our faith. And because he's alive, we don't set our hearts and minds on a religious system. We set our hearts and minds on a living person. I love how that Colossians passage described Jesus as our life. Our life. We wrap our lives around Jesus. We wrap our lives around him. Our lives are hidden in him. Next, because of the resurrection, I am being transformed into the image of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, this, this is not a question about whether it's happening. At least not if what my Bible just said is true. I don't know if you caught that verse in there, but it says, your new self is being renewed into the image of Christ Jesus. It doesn't say your new self might be being renewed, it says your new self is being renewed into the image of Jesus. You're being changed. You're becoming more and more like him. And let me be clear this morning. This is a good thing. It's a good thing. Unless you've got the wrong idea of who Jesus is. If Jesus is some kind of pale face, kind of like dull, lifeless man with slightly teased up hair and just doesn't have any backbone at all. If that's your Jesus, you might be going, man, I don't know if I really want to become like that guy. But if your Jesus is the Jesus of the Bible, the one who loved others so much that he was willing to lay down his life, the one who was so at peace that he was able to sleep in the middle of the most violent storm, the one whose personality, whose character caused men and women and children just to gravitate to him, the one who courageously took on the corrupt religious leaders of the day, the one whose Faith never faltered. The one who was good, strong, fearless, kind, full of compassion, tenderness, mighty in battle. If that's your Jesus, then being transformed into his image is a good thing. It's a good thing. And here's, it gets even better. Because this being renewed, this being changed and becoming more like him, it's not a matter of you having to leave here today and just trying to try really, 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 really hard. Trying to try really hard. It's not about that. It's about abiding. It's, like it's being connected to him. John 15 talks about how Jesus is the vine, and we're the branches, and we, just, we stay in relationship with him. We stay connected to him, and all of a sudden, this fruit starts to come out of our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all that stuff. It starts to come out of your life. Just You're being connected to Jesus. You're being changed. 
Jesus died for you, he was also raised to life for you. So that his personality, so that his character, so that his life might fill you, heal you, and change you. He was raised to life for you. Next, because of the resurrection, I am part of a family and no longer have to do life alone. I'm part of a family. Scripture says that you are God's chosen people. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you become part of a family, a family that has a name, right? We call it the church. If you thought church was this, you're mistaken. This is a, this is a building. This is the church. It's people. It's, it's family. And it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter whether you grew up in the church or you grew up the son of a hell's angel. It doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. It doesn't matter what your income level is, your social status is. When you give your life to Jesus, you become a part of his family called the church. It's good stuff. And Colossians talks about how this church is bound together in love and in perfect unity. Love and in perfect unity. And how is that? You know, when you think about how different we all are, when you think about how, you know, we just all have personalities, we have different backgrounds, I mean, we're so different. How is it possible for us to be bound together in love and in perfect unity? It's because of the resurrection, because Jesus is alive, because Jesus is living in us. And when we allow his life to infuse the life of our church, when we allow Jesus, who's the head of the church, the leader of the church, the leader of this family, when we allow him to just in, infuse us, in the life of this church, it, there's, there's love and there's unity and there's harmony. And all that can happen because he's alive. Because he's alive. Next, because of the resurrection, I can live a life of love because the one who is love lives in me. He lives in me. He's not dead. He lives in me. And because he lives in me, I can live a life of love. And and the scripture we just read there in Colossians 3, it sets a pretty high bar on the kinds of relationships that we're supposed to have with one another. Call yourself part of the church. It, it sets a really high bar. I mean, words like compassion, humility, kindness, gentleness, patience, commands us to bear with each other and forgive one another, then to put on love. I mean, it's got a pretty high bar of what, what the relationships are supposed to look like. And if Jesus isn't alive, count me out. I can't be who he's asking me to be because I fall short all the time. But since he's alive and since he's chosen me and asked me to live a life of love and asked you to live this life of love, he will help and he will empower us to live that life, which for me is just this incredibly good news. Because I see the kind of person that I want to be and I go, man, I wish I could love like you, Jesus. But then I go, go home and I go through the week and I'm like, man, I just feel like the arrows are all pointed in on me. Like it's so easy just to have my, it be all about Rich's own little world. And, but the Bible says that he's alive and, be, and he's called us to this life of love. And if he calls us to that life of love, I keep going to him. He's going to renew me. He's going to change me. He's going to make me more like him. And the same goes for you too. Next, because of the resurrection, since I'm raised with Christ, I can have a heart that is ruled by the peace of Christ rather than by fear and turmoil. The scripture we read, it says, you were called to peace, so let peace rule in your hearts. You're called to peace. 
You know, the Bible it tells the story of when Jesus came back from the, from the grave and uh, one of his very first interactions with his disciples, they were all kind of hanging out in this room and they were all scared. They were all full of fear. They didn't know if the Roman soldiers were going to come, come and get them and crucify them or kill them. So they're just huddled there, shaking in fear. They, they don't know what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. He kind of just poofs through the wall. And the first words out of his mouth, peace be with you. He's alive so we can have peace. Regardless of what storms we might be going through, regardless of how much turmoil and how, 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 how big the waves are in our, our lives, we can have peace because Jesus is alive. Lastly this morning, because of the resurrection, I no longer have to question what my purpose in life is. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, the Bible says, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do it all in his name. It's about the name of Jesus. It's, it's about making much of his name. Stop asking what God's will is for your life. He has already made it known. His will for your life is that you make a big deal about his goodness, his greatness, his power, his love, his compassion, everything about him. That's called glorifying Jesus, and that is your big, grand, overarching purpose in life. Everything else is just the details. Everything else is just the details. You miss the big one, though, and the details get kind of monotonous. They get kind of pointless. They get kind of frustrating. But if you get the big one, the details start to kind of fall into place. Your big purpose in life is to make a big deal to glorify Jesus. Everything else is just the details. It's just the details. If he's not alive, then yes, spend the rest of your life trying to figure it out, trying to figure out who you are and how he's designed you and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and there's a place for that. Yes, I'm not knocking that. But, but if he's alive, just make your, your life all about swirling around you and trying to figure out who you are and where you fit, all that kind of stuff. But if he's alive, then there's nothing in life more deserving of your heart's pursuit than making known the risen King and Savior. I mean, come on. He raised himself back to life. He's God. He's, he's the King of kings. What could be more worthy of your heart's pursuit than glorifying and lifting up Jesus? And as you just follow him one step at a time and glorify him along the way, the details will fall into place and life will be okay. Make your, your big pursuit the lifting high the name of Jesus. You were raised to life with Christ. Raised to life. Not raised to death. Not raised to despair. Not raised to defeat. Not raised to fear. The Bible says you were raised to life. Raised with Him. And that's good news for us today. And we're not, so we're not going to be getting rid of any of the crosses around here. We love the cross. I love the cross. The cross is so central to who we are it's, it represents all that Christ has done. It represents what, who we are to be, people who are laying down our lives for him and for others. Um, but what I do hope is that when you see a cross, whether it's a cross in here on a Sunday, or whether you see a cross around somebody's neck, wherever you might see one, that it wouldn't just remind you about, about how Jesus died for you, but it would also remind you that he's not on that cross, he's not in that tomb anymore, and, and that's also 
for you. He died for you, but he was also raised to life for you. He was raised to life so that, that you could have this new life in him. And everything changes because of that. Everything changes. Don't settle for, for life be- below what he has called you to, to live. And yes, it will be a struggle at times. Yes, yes there will be times where we, just like, we feel like it's just not happening, like we just read about in, in Scripture this morning. We feel like we're losing the battle. We feel like may- maybe we'll, we'll struggle with fear. Maybe we'll struggle with doubt. But don't just sink in there and settle there. Push on to, to this life that, that Christ has called us to. Push on. You have been um, raised to life with Christ. He died for you, but he was also raised to life for you. Let's pray this morning. Lord, you are truly alive. Lord, look around this room this morning, and I just, Lord, I, I could, there's so many lives that have been impacted by you, so many lives that have been changed by you. Lord, you are alive, and I thank you that you weren't just raised to life, Lord, because it had to happen or it did have to happen, but Lord, that's not all, the only reason that you were raised to life. Lord, you were raised to life for us. Because of, of your life, we can have new life in you. Your word talks about how we're this new creation, how new life is just springing out of us because of what, what you've done for us. And Lord, I want to pray that you would, you would help us just to, to live in that life, to, to walk in your love, to let p- your peace rule in our hearts, Lord, to set our hearts and our minds on you, to not settle for life that's just caught up in, in sin or pursuing stuff that doesn't bring life. Lord, help us to keep our lives just wrapped around you, I pray. And Lord, this morning, I want to pray for anybody here that's maybe come in this morning just with a heavy heart. Maybe they're going through something, and, and, and the last word to describe what they're experiencing right now that they would use is life. Lord, maybe they're battling with, with doubt. Maybe they're battling with fear. Lord, I don't know what it is, but Lord, I want to pray this morning that even in the midst of their pain, even in the midst of their suffering, that Jesus, you would come in and make yourself known. I pray that you would bring hope. I pray, God, that you bring your peace, that peace that is only possible as a result of your resurrection. Lord, I pray that, that Father, you would work through whatever it is that they're going through, God, to increase their faith. Lord, to just, um, Lord, may as a result of what they're going through, God, may they cling on to you and, and wrap their lives around the resurrected Jesus even more. And so, Lord, I just want to thank you that you are alive. Jesus, you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords. God, may we set our hearts and our our lives on you. God, may we as a church just keep our sights locked into you, the one who is alive and the one who reigns forevermore. I pray in your name, Jesus. And everybody said, amen.